and welcome back to Real Talk Sports with Rico. Today, I will be your host. Today's show, we are actually talking about the NBA and the Sunday Showcase. We'll be talking about uh, some of the games here that actually took place here on Sunday, what those implications were to the standings here, and uh, just some of the hot topics here in the NBA. Before we actually jump into the uh, topics here today, let me first and foremost thank Anchor for being our platform. Let me thank the sponsors out there who have put sponsorship on the show and the fans out there who have actually listened to the show on a week-to-week basis here to help us drive content to the show. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into it here. And uh, we were talking about the NBA here, and we were talking about the Sunday Showcase here. Um, A slate of games here that took place here on ESPN and the ABC Networks mainly here. And, um, you know, each game pretty much went down to the wire for the most part, except for the last game, the Clippers and the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, which was uh, quite interesting for a lot of different reasons. And we'll talk about that one. But let's start off here with the first game here, and that is the Phoenix Suns and the Dallas Mavericks here. Uh, Phoenix winning this game 130 to 126 here. And the key takeaway that I take from this here is that when you look at Dallas, and I've said this multiple times, and I've said this to multiple people as well, Dallas has two of the top 10 ISO scores in the NBA. The problem that they have is that, yes, they got another brilliant score, but they also lost a lot of their key pieces to their team. And the one thing that has really uh, hindered Dallas, I think, in all their playoffs uh, runs here, or even uh, since the Luka Doncic era has really kicked off, is that they get very stagnated. And now, you're not just getting stagnated with Luka, but at times you get stagnated with Kyrie. And what I mean by that is when you looked at this game, there were a lot of instances where a lot of guys were just standing there watching Luka and Kyrie go to work. And because of that, when I look at this, you know, the role players, Reggie Bullock had 10. You had Tim Hardaway Jr. who had a pretty good one with 21 points. But the key takeaway in his statistic is I only see one assist and one rebound here. Christian Woods, 17 points, zero assists, three rebounds here. And what that tells me is that when you're not getting a lot of assists, that means that thus you're just really turned into a a, just a, a catch and shoot type of player there. And I think that that's what happened to the Mavs here in their situation here. And you look at Kyrie, he had 30. You look at Luka, he had 34. Uh, He had nine rebounds, four assists, and Kyrie had seven. But look here on the other side of the ball. Okay, Kevin Durant had 37. You had Devin Booker had 36. Chris Paul had 11. Uh, You had Isaiah Wainwright here. He had 12. Cameron Payne, six and five. And look at the assist totals too. Chris Paul, seven assists. 10 assists from Devin Booker, three assists from um, from Kevin Durant. Then you also got uh, the nine from DeAndre Aiden. Uh, Josh Okigi, who didn't shoot very well, had nine. And so the supporting cast for Phoenix was a lot better than Dallas's supporting cast. And 
though Phoenix to me gave up a lot of their death to get Kevin over there, and they are now 3-0 with Kevin Durant over there, and by the way, I think that combined, I think the last three games between Devin Booker and, and Kevin Durant, they had about like 60 to 70 points or something crazy like that. But the one thing that was the differential here in this game is that the supporting cast. And that is what is going to hurt Dallas, I think, moving down the stretch. Are they a playoff team? Absolutely they are. Are they going to go fur in the, in the, um, in the West? Absolutely not. And I'll even say this. Phoenix at this point in time, I'm looking at the standings here. I believe they are, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, fifth in the east or west, excuse me, at this point in time, six, seven, eight, and you have Dallas at eight. I don't think that there's too much of a difference between these two teams other than Phoenix has just a little bit more depth. And I think that for all the ooh and ah that we see with Phoenix, I think at some point you're going to see when the game slows down and they're going to force the ball out of Kevin's hands and they're going to force it out of uh, Devin Booker's hands. I don't think that they're going to just be able to go out there and get people for 30, 40 points plus a game this effortless in the playoffs. The game's going to slow down. Defensively, teams are going to know your sets a lot more. And what it's going to come down to is you're going to have to have some role players step up. When you gave away Cameron um, Johnson and you gave away Mikel Bridges, you gave away Jay Crowder, Phoenix is going to see that when it comes down to the playoff time. You know, Chris Paul is definitely older. He is one of the elite point guards in this league. But I think they're going to find out once you get deep into the playoffs that you are going to need more bodies and you're going to need more people to show up there. Josh Okigi in his fifth year, I have always liked him. I liked him when he played in Minnesota. Terrific defensive player. I didn't know he had this kind of offensive, um, uh, you know, I, I didn't know he had this offensive prowess, really, to be honest with you. So, um, you know, it's, it's really it's interesting to see that he's had this much offense really and he's just been waiting to get out there and get these minutes so i'm really happy for him but for phoenix to take that next level man they're really going to have to depend on the terrence rosses the tory craigs uh the damon lees uh i think even tj warren will have to play at some point landry shamit who didn't play at all here um you know, these guys are going to have to step it up, I think, for Phoenix long term here. So, you know, there wasn't really a lick of defense here. And I think the bottom line is that, um, you know, Kevin Durant was just a lot better than, you know, Dallas's defense because there were times where he essentially as a seven footer just got to a spot, rose up, either scored or got fouled. And Dallas simply had no answer. But it has been intriguing to see two teams who basically went all in on scores elite scores and you just see the difference between the two but i i can kind of see the the same ending for the two i just don't see them really going anywhere long term for either team but it was a great game a lot of trash talking and uh you know i just think that one of the things that we should take a look at too for dallas if you're a fan as well is that Luka Doncic, man, has got to stop playing one-on-one with the refs. I actually text that uh, to a friend of mine here, and it's just like he constantly continues to be 
in this battle with the ref, man. And it's like, dude, you're not going to get every call. And I think at some point, Luca's going to have to take that that step maturity wise. And I think once he takes that step, I think that Dallas will ultimately take a step with him as well. Next up here, uh, taking a look at the next game here that was on the Sunday showcase. Um, and that was actually the Los Angeles Lakers versus the Golden State Warriors here. The Lakers winning 113 to 105. And the significance here is that the Lakers were without LeBron James and they're still going to be without LeBron James for multiple weeks. And it's really, it's yet to be seen. We don't know if he'll even make it back uh, towards the end of the season. Um, you know, he's got a cast on the foot. Um, you know, he's been hobbling around there. And solely, it really falls on Anthony Davis. And when we look at Anthony Davis, we know he's had a history of not being healthy. Now, going into this game, I looked at, um, you know, the NBA countdown, and they said, essentially, which I agree with, that Anthony Davis was going to have to have a stellar game and they were thinking something like the 39 and 10 rebounds in order for the Lakers to win this game ironically he had 39 eight rebounds and six assists and he looked every bit of the Anthony Davis that is a top five player in the NBA I mean he played well he rebounded well he assisted well but the one thing that I liked out of this was Austin Reeves I hope that the Lakers are able to keep Austin Reeves. I have said this before on earlier podcasts. He, to me, is the next version of Alex Caruso in the sense that he does a lot of things on the court that don't necessarily show up in the box score. He plays extremely hard. I think he might have one of the hardest motors on the team. Um, And this guy can shoot the ball exceptionally well. And he's looked very well in pick and roll situations. Towards the end of the game, when you look at the tape, there were several times where the offense actually ran through Austin Reeves, where he was bringing it up the court, initiating the pick and roll action, and then distributing the basketball. Thus, he had eight assists to go with his 16 points as well. And you have to to wonder that as Austin Reeves continues to play on in this league, he seems to be getting comfortable playing with Anthony Davis and LeBron James. I think that this guy has, it's a sky's the limit kind of deal. And I know that, you know, I've said this before, the Lakers have obviously leveraged their franchise here to get Anthony Davis over. They did get the bubble championship here. But I think that the real value here is got to be Austin Reeves. I hope that they keep him, um, you know, because I think moving forward, I think he's going to be a huge piece for them to continue their youth movement and also to to rebuild around Anthony Davis and LeBron James for however long they're there. Um, But he played exceptionally well. I think he was the difference alongside of Anthony Davis doing his thing. How about Troy Brown Jr. with the 14 points for him? Um, You know, you had a pretty good one here from Jared Vanderbilt. I think he's played solid here for the Lakers, getting another double-double with the 10 and 13 there. Malik Beasley, a terrific shooter. 
obviously we knew he could shoot the ball. He shot the ball well in Denver. He shot the ball well in Utah. Comes over here, he grabs 12 points as well. Dennis Schroeder showing why he was an elite point guard in this league. He had 11 and a six. And it was just a total team effort for the Lakers here. On the other side of this, the storyline for the uh, Golden State Warriors is that they had been on a winning streak here. They're obviously starting to round into the Western Conference uh, juggernauts that they are uh, that had gotten to the finals last year and won the NBA championship. Um, you know, don't look now, but they are actually um, six here in the West. And so they're closing. You know, I'm not saying that they're going to win the West, but at this point in time, with the situation that is developing in Memphis, I clearly expect for them to slide a lot here. Phoenix is really just about an injury away from falling back, and it doesn't necessarily have to be to Kevin Durant. It doesn't have to be to Devin Booker, who has been injury prone. Both of them have actually missed a lot of time due to injury. It doesn't have to be Chris Paul. I just talked about the fact that they don't have very much depth, and that could be the difference for them sliding back to a surging Golden State Warriors team. And listen, nobody wants to see Golden State into the playoffs. Absolutely nobody. You don't want to see them in a play-in situation. You don't want to see them at all because they have two of the best shooters possibly in all of NBA history. So nobody wants to see that. And really Steph Curry coming back from the torn ligament he didn't really have a too much rust to me out there he scored 27 points he had the six assists he did probably leave some uh, money on the table out there but for the most part he looked pretty good along with Klay Thompson who had 22 and they did give the Lakers a run for the money towards the end here certainly Golden State loses the game here yesterday but Long term, you have to like, <coughs> excuse me, you have to like Golden State long term here. Jordan Poole didn't play that well, only 10 points here. You know he's going to play a lot more better. Um, Draymond had 15 and 8 and 3, and uh, he's a little banged up here. Certainly, I think his health is going to play a little bit more of a factor come the playoff time here. But hey, a gutsy win for the Lakers. They're sitting 11th here. I still think that they're going to need a lot more. Uh, to really hold on to this miracle to kind of get into a play-in situation. And Golden State, even though they dropped this one in LA, I think that this really kind of gives them the confidence moving forward that, uh, you know, they're starting to return back to the championship form that they had just a year ago. Uh, next up here, a game that was quite interesting here, and that was the New York Knicks and the Boston Celtics game. This one went to two overtimes, and many people going back to a couple games ago, I remember watching PTI, and the debate was, you know, would the New York Knicks get to, I believe, seven or eight straight here at the time? They might be at eight straight now. And they were saying that it wasn't going to happen. I honestly thought that, you know, hey, the Knicks, they're one of those teams that, when you look at them, they're obviously much better than what they have been the last two seasons. And yes, I'm going to say they're even much better than the season where they got eliminated by the Atlanta Hawks 
in that series. Uh, I believe it was the first round. I think that they're a much better team even than that. So two years ago. But I'm not sure if the Knicks have enough to kind of push past um, and make a deep run. They're certainly going to make it scary for a team. I think that they're going to make it a 6-7 game series with whoever they play. Obviously, with Jalen Brunson, they're going to be a tough out. Um, But the key here was Emmanuel Quickly. Emmanuel Quickly had a career high 38 points, 7 assists, 8 rebounds, and 4 steals. He has gotten immensely better each and every year. And I love the fact that he is becoming a lot better as far as being a natural point guard. You know, he's more of like a a two guard, I think, coming out of Kentucky. But I think he's settled a lot more into the point guard situation. Uh, Notice that, you know, between him and Jalen Brunson, Derrick Rose doesn't get any game at this point in time. That's because Emmanuel quickly has uh, evolved so much along with Quentin Grimes. But it was Emmanuel quickly show yesterday. And how about R.J. Barrett as well? The 29 points, 11 rebounds, 3 assists, the 1 steal, 1 block. Very high on R.J. Barrett. I thought that this year was going to be a great year for R.J. Barrett. I personally went with him in my fantasy basketball league because I thought that with the addition of Jalen Brunson, a a much better year from Julius Randle, who is having a great year down the stretch here, 31-9-4 for him yesterday, Um, that he was going to definitely uh, take another leap this year, and he has. He's gotten a lot more comfortable in his jump shooting ability, and the one thing that I love about R.J. Barrett is he's not to the point where he has fallen in love with the three-point shot. He is very much a slasher as well, and I like the fact that he is willing to play defense, the one block and the one steal, with that long-range arms that he has. He makes it very difficult in the passing lanes, makes it tough for you to shoot over him as well and he's able to create some offense for him or himself as well so you really don't have to run plays for rj barrett and he can be effective and i I love that about rj barrett and i think he to be honest with you he might have been or if, if there is such an award he could be their mvp of the season because i think between him and emmanuel quickly they have certainly helped take this team to another level and another player that most people are probably not even thinking of and that is josh hart i think that this is probably uh, one of the best trade pickups that was done here in this particular trade deadline why do i say that josh hart was a former college player of the year i believe he went to the university of villanova i believe he did win the national championship as well did like Josh Hart a lot. I know he was drafted towards the end, I believe round one when he was drafted, but I've always liked Josh Hart. He had some up and down moments with the Lakers. I think the Lakers gave up on him a lot like they gave up on a lot of people there uh, too quickly, but he has played well for them. He has been a player that has been able to be versatile in so many ways. And he had 10, 8, and 2 in this one. But more importantly, he provides some veteran leadership. And he has been that person, I think, that continues to echo a lot of what Jalen Brunson has in that competitiveness. And I think it has really oozed over into the Knicks here. 
And I definitely think that Tom Thibodeau has definitely got his fingerprints all over this team. You can see it defensively, how they were making it tough for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum down the stretch here. On the flip side of this thing, you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Al Horford, these guys played a lot of minutes here. Um, You know, I think they certainly had their chances to win the basketball game. Um, You know, they had a chance at the end. It was a game winner that just didn't go down for Al Horford, who had the 20-14-6. and Um, You had Jason Tatum, who's arguably, I mean, I think he would be an MVP candidate, or he is an MVP candidate, probably won't get it because the Joker's playing so well in Denver. 40-11-6 here. Um, just couldn't turn the page here. And I think the bottom line is they just couldn't stop Emmanuel quickly. I still don't think that it's necessarily a hindrance to Boston because Boston is still in the driver's seat here um, in the East. But I think that the Knicks definitely put them on note that, <coughs> excuse me, that it's going to be a tough out if they have to play them at some point. Even if they get past their first round, the Celtics would have to play them in the second round. It's They sent a message, I think, to Boston that it's going to be a tough out for them. Lastly, the Memphis Grizzlies and the Los Angeles Clippers here. And so there's so many different uh, storylines to this one. And, uh, you know, I'm, I, I promise, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit more about Memphis and, you know, really the Ja Morant situation. Uh, if you go to the YouTube which we're going to be actually posting up the the podcast for that tomorrow. I'll be touching a little bit more bases about that. But if you're an NBA fan, obviously you saw the news here where John Morant was suspended. Um, you know, I had the had the 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 weapon there within the the post on the Instagram live or whatever it is. I, I don't even know what this stuff is now. But anyhow, um, you know, suspension there. On top of that, uh, you had. Steven Adams was out with the knee. You had, uh, what's his name? Uh, Dylan Brooks was out with the technical foul rule where you get so many technicals. He was suspended. He was out. Um, and so you also, too, had Brandon Clark, who tours ACL in the Denver game, non-contact. That was pretty gruesome because I thought it was a hamstring. But then when you read the reports that it was a torn ACL, I was like, oh my gosh. So Memphis at this point in time, I think that they're in some real trouble. They're second in the West. Uh, They've lost their leader, Ja Morant, for at least two games. I have a hunch that it's going to be longer than two games. And I think it's going to be more than just the team suspension. I think it's something that is going to be a suspension from the NBA. And I feel like it's going to be a suspension that it could be one that NBA fans will never forget. I'll just say that. And so, like I said, I'll go into it a little bit more as to why I think that on my next podcast, which is going to be on the YouTube channel. So make sure you go to my YouTube. It is going to be Real Talk Sports with Rico. You can check out the visual podcast here. We're again, we do the podcast where we're touching uh, a lot of the subjects that we talk about here, but it is slightly different. But I'm going to share my thoughts a little bit more as to, to what I'm thinking here with that. But, you know, Memphis had a lot of different things going on, you know, so to speak, going into this game. 
Personally, I had tickets to this one and I wasn't going to go to this game because obviously the suspensions and the people out. I'm thinking that the Clippers are going to take care of business. Uh, they had rested Kawhi Leonard the day before. Paul George for sure was going to be out there. We knew Russell Westbrook was going to be out there. And the only thing that they were missing was Norman Powell. They got Zubox back. So I'm thinking to myself, like, the Clippers are going to take care of business. Well, the Clippers were up, but, you know, you forgot to tell Memphis that they didn't really have anybody because they put on a 51 to 30 third quarter. <coughs> Excuse me. They were up by as many as 17 points going into the four for something like that. And it came down to a valiant comeback with the Clippers ultimately coming out on top here, winning 135 to 129. Now, to me, honestly, it's a win from the Clippers and a loss for the Grizzlies. But I think both teams are in trouble for two different reasons. The Clippers have not been consistent all year. And it really scares me that they had Kawhi Leonard, they had Paul George, and they had Russell Westbrook on the floor, and they almost got beat by a really undermanned Memphis Grizzlies team. And I'm thinking to myself, when they start to go against teams that have played together, they haven't been injured, they haven't sat out, um, they're shorthanded. I have to wonder, do the Clippers have what it takes to get past that? Several times during the telecast, the one thing that was mentioned that Ty Lue had said was the mental toughness of the Clippers. Uh, at times, when we talk about mental toughness, a lot of that comes down to focus. The Clippers lose focus a lot of times in games. And I have personally gone to see the Clippers a couple times. And there are moments in games where they look like they're the number one team in all of basketball. But then they go on these stretches where it's like, are we playing basketball here? What are we doing? I mean, they just start giving. If you looked at the one, the one play here, Jaron Jackson had 24 points. And I kid you not, when you look at the telecast, and I had texted this to a friend, it looked like the same play. It literally looked like Jaron Jackson continued to get the same play. It was the same. He's coming off the pick. He's rolling and he's getting to a left hand layup. And I'm saying to myself, like, and this is where the mental toughness and just the awareness comes in. It's like, dude, they're running the same play. Why are you not stopping that? You know, and it's just the mental toughness of saying, okay, we're a much better team than the Memphis Grizzlies. We're supposed to be, you know, top tier in the West. Let's not waste time with this team. Let's go ahead. Let's send the message. Let's beat this team the way we should. And let's go on about our business. And the Clippers just don't have that switch this year, which really worries me at this point in time. Um, you know, Kawhi did eventually take over the game. He had 34 and 10, I mean, towards the end. Paul George was pretty much having it rolling uh, throughout the contest. I mean, he was hitting threes, getting to the basket. He had a critical tip in at the end, uh, 42, 11, and three from Paul. 
Um, and then how about the additions that they got here at the trade deadline, which the Clippers to me got one of the best trade deadlines done. I mean, they get Russ off the, the buyout market. He had nine, six, and five. He's shooting 50%, which is right about where he was shooting when he was with the Washington Wizards OKC. So he's back to his percentages. He's playing very well. Um, the numbers are up, but this is the first time they've won in five games. Um, Eric Gordon, 17 and two. Uh, Plumley, Mason Plumley, a guy that they got over in the trade deadline, 15 and nine. He's playing well. Terrence Mann, seven and two. And so they've just got to figure out a way, man, to put it together mentally. And for the Grizzlies, looking at them, I have to take my credit off because they competed. They went after it. I think that they gave everything they had. Luke Kennard was like 8 of 8 from the three-point land. He had 15. He was trying to do everything he could to will him to a win. Tyrus Jones, who has led the league in assist-to-turnover ratio the last three years, which was something crazy, like 7 to 1. I'm like, gosh, that is nice, man. Like every seven assists to like one turnover, like... Tyrus Jones, to me, a solid, underrated player that I'm not sure why Minnesota let him go, but he can be serviceable for any team in the entire league. I guarantee you the Chicago Bulls, and I'm a Chicago Bulls fan, would love to have Tyrus Jones run the point guard at this point in time. He played exceptionally well, 25 points. He was knocking down all types of stuff in the third quarter, just ran out of gas in the fourth Desmond Bain, three-point champion at one point, 30 points, six assists, four rebounds. He really showed me the full repertoire, and he also showed me a lot was in his package. He was able to get runners, layups, three-pointers, uh, everything that you could think of. So I didn't, I didn't know he was just like I thought he was more just an exclusive three-point shooter. But given the role where <clears throat> John Morant wasn't there. He had to do a lot more off the dribble that you're not really accustomed to seeing. And Desmond Bain was very impressive. He really showed me a lot there. Xavier Tillman, I've always loved his game out of Michigan State. 13-3-5, he's tough down there. David Rowdy, a rookie who I think is going to be very, very special in this league. 8-3-2-3, I remember him in college. He can definitely play well. And so Memphis... They're second in the West right now, but like I said, I expect for Job maybe to miss a lot of time here. I'm not sure if Memphis is really built at this point in time um, to really to really make a deep run without John Moran. And why do I say that? Remember, guys, last year Memphis lost John Moran due to an injury. Okay, they played hard but they still lost and they just didn't have that it factor. It's something about having Ja out there and the way Ja is so dynamic and the way he's able to change a ball game because he's able to get into the paint and just cause so much pressure on a defense. It really opens up a lot of different things here. You're looking at a Memphis team that all their bigs are hurt. Ja Morant will probably, like I said, miss some time and you know, Memphis is, is really into some trouble, okay? Because now I see Denver playing well. They're right now, they're looking really good. They're, they're hitting their stride. Sacramento, we need to put some respect on their name. 
they are really looking really good here. Um, had a chance to look at some of their game today. I think one of the best things that they did was go out there and get Herder from Atlanta. I mean, he's been playing terrific. Um, and then, you know, Phoenix, I, I've already mentioned Golden State and how they're surging here. Phoenix has got a lot of new energy with the Kevin Durant story here. Minnesota, I'm not really sold on them. Dallas, I, I'm not so sold on them. The Clippers, I'm not sold on them. And the Lakers in Utah right there. But, <clears throat> you know, that's kind of what the landscape looks like on the West here. And I just think that Memphis will slide. They're going to lose some some um, some some leeway going into the playoffs. And I think that they're going to probably hurt a bit in the playoffs as well. Um, you know, on the Eastern side of things here, Milwaukee has looked very good here, even though they took the loss here in a barn burner Saturday. I have to take my hat off to, to James Harden and Joel Embiid. I think it was like the the either the the fifth time or something in history where two teammates had gone for 30 plus or something like that and 10 rebounds or something crazy like that. But anyway, they were able to knock down Milwaukee here coming back from I think 12 to 15 points down. That was quite a game there to beat Milwaukee. But the key takeaway here is Milwaukee has won, you know, 16 of their last 17 here. They're still top of the the Eastern Conference, I believe, here at this point, followed by Boston, Philadelphia right there. Cleveland's looking good thus far. We've talked about New York, Brooklyn. Huh? I just talked about how they really won the trade. I expect for them to surge. They're starting to find their, their way now, um, especially with Mikel Bridges. I think he's starting to be more comfortable as a primary scorer, uh, a main guy, and he's really showing that he is a star in this league. You can mark it down right now. I guarantee you that this guy will be an all-star. And, you know, I think he's headed to a Hall of Fame career at this point in time. I've really always liked Mikel Bridges, and I think he's really going to uh, just come into his own here for the last half of the season. But you're also going to start to see that at the beginning of next season. Miami, Atlanta, Toronto, Washington. So Miami, that's an interesting situation because I just thought about them. You know, they got the buyout market and they got Kevin Love over there. Kyle Lowry has not necessarily worked out the way that uh, Miami has wanted to. Jimmy Butler, he plays hard. He's always battling through injuries and things like that. But the one thing that sticks out to me with Miami is they are 28th in the league in three-point percentage. And in a league right now where they're so reliant on the three-point shooting, that really doesn't bode well for Miami. That, that's a tough, tough stat to really live by because you have to be able to knock down the three ball in this day and age. And the fact that Miami doesn't have those knockdown shooters and things like that, that's scary for Miami. So, you know, that's the standings for the East, the West. That's kind of what my thoughts are. Like I said, man, make sure you check us out here on YouTube. That is Real Talk Sports with Rico. You can check out my podcast there. I'll be talking about the Combine and all the performances there. It's kind of my thoughts. Some of the rumors of the Combine. I'll also be talking a little bit more about the Ja Morant suspension there. We'll definitely be talking a little bit more about some of these key signings here in the NFL. 
And then also, too, we'll always be talking here about the NBA. I definitely want to talk a little bit here about the UFC fight, too, as well. So make sure you check out that podcast, which will be airing here tomorrow. In the meantime here, I just want to go ahead and wrap up the show here. I want to thank everybody out there for listening. I want to thank Anchor for being our platform. I want to thank the sponsors out there for putting sponsorship on the show and the fans out there who have listened to us from a week-to-week basis here to help us drive content to the show. So for myself, this is Rico, Real Talk Sports. We'll be back for another show. Take care.